following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. He's good all the time. You know, I was reading a statistic the other day about how uh, long people spend on the freeways in different cities, and uh, there's people in L.A. with their different commutes that spend literally like two, three weeks a year, 24 hours a day, on the freeways getting to their job. We, it's crazy, the traffic, and how cool is it that on Sundays you can get anywhere you want in this town, Right? Sunday morning, it's like God hooked us up on the way to church. He cleared out the traffic. He made a way. He makes ways for his people. I think that's really amazing. Um, But traffic in this town can be really, really tough. I think we have a graphic of some traffic in LA. And tell me if you guys have ever, is that you, anybody? Is that anybody? Can anybody relate to that? Yeah, that's just the way it is sometimes. But on Sunday, (laughs) God parts the seas. He's like, come on, come to my house. My house will be a house of prayer, and he opens the door for us. Um, But the thing about L.A. and and most cities, people are on the road, and everyone's trying to get somewhere. Everyone's got a place to be. But what's interesting about that is spiritually, spiritually, a lot of people have no idea where they're going. On the freeway, they have an an idea where they're going. But spiritually, many people do not know where they were going. In fact, if you were able to look down at the 101 and the 405 over here and you were able to take an aerial shot and look down at all the souls and see all the souls, many of those people have no destination at all or they think they do or they're confused about it. And so God's got a lot to say about our direction and our destination. In fact, there's been tons of songs over the years that talk about our destination. Uh, And there's things been written out there all the way from uh, highway to hell to stairway to heaven, because people are talking about a way and a method. How many remember highway to hell? Who had it on a record? Anybody? Okay, who had it on a cassette? Anybody have it on a CD? How about MP3? All right, you shouldn't be getting that on MP3. That's nowadays. Um, But, uh, you know, that stairway to heaven, I mean, there's songs about direction. There's all kinds of things written in the arts about direction and where we're going. But spiritually, a lot of people don't really figure it out. Jesus has a lot to say today about direction. How many of you know the heart of God, the heart of the Father, is that none should perish? None. Everybody say none. That's the Father's heart that none should perish, and that all should have everlasting life. How many? How many? None. None should perish, and all have everlasting life. That's the heart of the Father. That's what he wants. And that's why he loved the world so much that he sent the Son for that very reason. Yet there's people going all over spiritually in life. Some have no idea what road they're on. Some don't care what road they're on. Some have no idea where their road leads to. Some think they're on God's road and they're not on God's road at all. And what's amazing about today's passage that we're going to be looking at is Jesus has got a lot to say about people who think they are on the Jesus road, but they're not at all. And it's pretty baffling, but Jesus has got a lot to say about it. Now, the early church fully understood that God loved the whole world, that he wished none would perish. They knew this. They lived it out. They they began to model and live this life. When you look at the book of Acts, you get a snapshot on the early church, and these guys were like in the upper room, guys and gals in the upper room, filled with the Spirit, and they started to live their life for Jesus in a way that got very contagious. But over the years, we've kind of morphed into a different kind of Christianity. We have 
American Christianity. And American Christianity is different than historical Christianity. American Christianity is different than biblical Christianity. There's things about our style of Christianity that you're really not gonna find in the book of Acts. And that's what makes a message like this very, very timely. Um, American Christianity focuses on my gifts, my talent, my blessing, and my destiny. How many of you heard this, right? Right? In the book of Acts, they didn't talk that way. They talked about God loved the whole world. And, and all the one another's in the Bible started to take place where people would get filled with the Spirit and be mobilized for Jesus, for the cause of Christ, because God loved everybody. But today, in America, we typically think my gift, my blessing, my destiny, and this is kind of the language that's, but it was not historical Christianity. It's pretty amazing. Uh, in fact, here's some statistics, and you tell me if American Christianity has drifted from historical biblical Christianity. Uh, the statistic is this, 75% of Americans would profess to be Christians um, in, in surveys that were done. 75% of our population, and that makes our Christian population in America the largest country percentage of Christians, the largest, excuse me, Christian population in the world with 280 million people in our country that would say, out of all the religions, which are you, I am Christian. 75% of our nation say that, but here's the deal. Take that 75% and let's look at that like a big pie. All those people, 280 million. Out of that group, only 19% are considered active. Everybody say active. In the book of Acts, there was no other kind of Christian but active. That's the only kind of Christian there was. But out of our group in America, 280 million, only 19% are active. Now, active is people who attend church, who read the word, who share their faith, who worship God, have a lifestyle of this is just what the faith is, much like the book of Acts, 19% today. And here's the deal. Out of this 280 million people, 30% of the 280 million who call themselves Christian believe that there are many roads to God. Out of the 280 million, 30% would tell you, I'm Christian, but there's many roads to God. And Jesus is going to say something today that kind of clarifies how we get in, what our road is, what what road are we on in the first place. And if you're on that road, how do you know what road you're on? He's going to put some markers on the road and describe some things to know what road we're really on, whether we're on the path of heaven or not. And this is called the road less traveled. We're looking at Matthew 7. If you've got your Bible or on your device, your phone, Please follow along. We're going to look at this in sections because it's very rich. There's a lot of cool stuff going on here. Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 through 23. And let's uh, start in the beginning of this. It says this, um, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that that leads to life. Jesus is talking about two things here. He's talking about gates and roads, gates and roads. How many of you guys have driven in one of those cities like back east, they have it, Texas, they have it, maybe other states that you've been to before where they have a toll road. Anybody gotten on a toll road before? You usually go through the toll gate, right? There's a toll gate, you go through that gate, you put your money in, the thing comes up and then you get on the toll road. You can't get on the road unless you go through 
that gate. And that's what Jesus is talking about. The Roman Empire, when Jesus is sharing this, had roads like that as well. There were certain bridges you couldn't cross unless you paid a toll for it. The Roman Empire got a toll. So the deal is here is that you gotta go through a gate before you get on the road. And Jesus is saying that's exactly what this is about. He's talking about two different gates, two different roads, and two different destinations. Only two. One of them, one of them, super popular. Super popular road. Everybody jumps on it. Everyone's on that road. And the other one, Not so much, not that popular. Not everybody gets on that road. And the gates, I wanna start with the gates. Jesus makes this clear. If you note taker, take these things down this morning because again, there's 30% of the Christian population that believe there are many roads to God and Jesus says very clearly here, our first point this morning is only the Jesus gate leads to life. Only the Jesus gate leads to life. Well, what about the, or what? Only the Jesus gate leads to life. It's only the Jesus gate. There is no other gate that leads to life. And in John 10, Jesus elaborates this on this more. He said, I'm the gate, and all who enter through me, Jesus says, I am the gate. All who enter through me will have abundant life. Now listen, this abundant life is not just heaven when you get there. It's abundant life here and now. You get to enter into a realm walking with Jesus, filled with his spirit to live the abundant life now and have the fruit of the spirit and and, and the manifestations of God's blessing in your life here and now. It's abundant life here and now and it's abundant life later and then. And, and, And Jesus is saying, I'm the gate and all who enter through me will have abundant life. And so Jesus is the only one and this is a narrow gate. It tells us right here, this is a narrow gate. Now to some people who read this, you're going, wait a second, pastor, you mean to tell me Jesus is the only way? Out of all the world religions that all offer things, some of them talk about love, some of them talk about being kind to other people, out of all those other philosophies and worldviews, you mean to tell me that Jesus is the only way? That sounds a little bit narrow-minded, right? Can can we be fair? It sounds a little narrow, narrow narrow-minded. It is, because it's a narrow gate. It's a narrow gate that leads to abundant life. It's not a wide one. It is narrow. But God loves the whole world. He wants everyone to go through the narrow gate. But most of them are like, no, I'm not feeling that. I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to get in that. I want to go where everybody else is going. I want to just be popular. I don't want to, you know, go through the narrow gate of Jesus. That sounds narrow-minded, but it is narrow-minded because it's a narrow gate. God loves the world and he's going, I'm offering a narrow gate, but this is the way in. So when Jesus said this, when he said, I am the way and the truth and the life, he meant it. He is the way. There is no other road. He's the way. In fact, the early church, the early Christians, says John 14, 6, we have that for the screen. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. That sounds a little narrow-minded. Because it is, it's a narrow gate, and Jesus is the narrow gate. There's no other gate, there's no other passage to get on this road that ends up being the the realm of God to to get to heaven, to live the abundant life. Um, The early church, before they ever used the word Christian, Christian wasn't even invented yet, Uh, it didn't even come up until later on up at the church of Antioch, they started using that name, Uh, but before that, everybody was called, well, what's your faith or what do you believe? And they would say, these people who were following Jesus, they believed one thing very, very clearly, that Jesus was the way. Jesus was the way, period, end of story, 
Jesus is the way. No other way. Jesus is the way. So you know what they called these people, the early church, the early believers? They called them the way. That you guys are people of the way. They didn't even use the word Christian yet. It wasn't even invented yet. You guys are people of the way. Why? Because you entered through the narrow gate and you are on the way and Jesus is the way. And that's where the term came from in the first place. And Jesus says, only my gate leads to life and all the other gates don't. Sounds narrow-minded, but remember, it's a narrow gate. It says it's narrow. The gate, the narrow gate gets you onto the narrow road and the narrow road is full of abundant life, both now and later. Now, I have a picture of the, the narrow road and what we can imagine the narrow road to be. Um, guys, this road is a blast. This road is an adventure. This is a road where the Spirit of God lives in you and you get to be directed by the living God to have him move through you in your life to affect change where you get to live and walk with Jesus in a way that you get to experience supernatural because God begins to do a work inside of you. He writes your name in the Lamb's book of life. He puts his spirit in you here and now where you get to walk with Jesus through this world to be a world changer and to affect those around you. This road is a blast. This is the fun road. There are only few on this road. Most are on the other road. Remember that Uh, five freeway bumper to bumper graphic most are on that road many are on that scripture says but only few are on this one it says few find it Um, life filled with the spirit this is true adventure this is the road that we're called to and here's the deal that Jesus is saying this for a reason there are many professing Christians who miss out on this road I just shared with you 19% of all professing Christians are active in their faith, which means about the other 80% is really not. 30% of professing Christians think there are many roads to God, and Jesus said, there's not. And so what's important about this is that this realm, there's many professing Christians who aren't even on this road, but isn't this the road? See, the narrow gate leads to the narrow road. And there are many people who would say, I like the idea of Jesus, so I got in the gate. Many would say that, I got in the gate. But they never ended up on the road for some reason. So second point is this, if you want to write this down, this is just some key stuff as we're going to build, but the Jesus road always leads to life. The Jesus road always leads to life. Always, always, always. Abundant life then and abundant life now. That's what the Jesus road does. The fruit of the Spirit Love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all all the blessings of God, the things that God wants to do in your life here on this planet and eternity, both, not either one, both, and the road to Jesus always leads to life. And the wide road, well, that one, that one always leads to destruction. Jesus says it does. There's no way around that. There's no exceptions. The wide road that doesn't go through Jesus leads to destruction. And so what's shocking about this is the next 11 verses in this passage talk about people who think they're on the road, but they're not. They use language like they're on the road, but they're not. And Jesus gives a few examples, a few illustrations here. We're going to hit on two out of three of them, but... um, they think they're on the road, they're not. Here's a scripture, and we have this for the screen, 2 Corinthians 13, 5. It says this, examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Now, when I read that, that sounds a little offensive. 
Paul, why would you write that? You're writing to the church. He's not writing that to unbelievers. He's writing that to Christians. Why would you write something like that to Christians? I already said the prayer, okay? I said the prayer about Jesus. They asked me if I believed to raise my hand and say the prayer. I said that, Paul. Why are you telling me something like that? To examine myself, to see if I'm in the faith. Of course I am. I said the prayer. And American Christianity talks about saying the prayer and go back to doing what you're doing. It's all good. You, you, you got this thing locked in with God. You know, in the military, they have this, this term, you know, when you run into an officer, you're like, you know, you know sir, you know, and, and the officer will come up and, you know, he'll talk to you or address you. But a lot of times what the officer will say when he's leaving, he'll say, as you were, as you were. In other words, go back to doing what you're doing. American Christianity says, I will say the Jesus prayer if that's what you want me to pray. But they don't, when they're done, they they don't turn and follow and get on the road. Oftentimes, that's why we have 80% of our country that's 280 million people that say they're Christians, but we don't really look like it. Because many people go back to that thing like a military officer, as you were, You said the prayer as you were, and they never really got on the road with Jesus, and that's really what happens. It's uh, amazing. Paul says, examine yourself to see if you were in the faith. Some say they went through the Jesus gate, but they never really got on the Jesus road. They're still on a wide road. I think we have the graphic for the wide road, right? You look at the wide road. The wide road, everybody's on the wide road. Everybody's on the wide road. Everybody, people you know, people you work with, some people in your family are on the wide road. But here's the thing about the early church. They cared so much about people on the wide road, their heart broke for people on the wide road. They weren't doing jumping jacks that they were on the narrow road. They were loving the the life on the narrow road, but they spent their life to get others on the, through the Jesus gate and on the narrow road because that's where the abundant life was. They lived out their mission that way. Today's Christianity, 19%, of professed Christians do that. 30% think there's many roads, and Jesus is like, that, that's, not, that's not historical Christianity. Um, your road is your walk with God. Your road is your walk with God. And like I said, in America, we've left out a big part of the idea, the, 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 the deal. God makes this transaction with people. You and I, he made it with you at some point in your life. You encountered Jesus. You encountered his offer. You encountered who he is. And, and at some point in time, you heard Believe in me. Believe in your mouth. Confess, believe in your heart. Confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord. At some point in time, you, you said this prayer. But along with that prayer, I hope, I hope, I pray you heard this part because it's part of the gospel. You can't leave it out. Just turn and follow. Everybody say turn and follow. That's missing in many of the messages in American Christianity. The turn and follow And that's why out of 280 million people, so many people never did turn and follow. They believe on the idea. Out of all the world religions, yeah, the Jesus one, right? Cool. Yeah, that's me. I'm one one of those. I'm one of the 200. But the turn and follow never really happened. So they would say they went through a Jesus gate, but they never got on the Jesus road. And that's why their life doesn't look like it's got any abundant thing going on in it. Jesus is the gate, but listen, he's not just the gate. Jesus is also the way. He's not just the gate. He is the gate. 
but he's also the way. So you go through the gate and you get on the way and you keep walking with Jesus on the way and that's the disconnect with American Christianity. The gate, yeah, I'll say the prayer, cool, we're good, right? Everything's good, right? But never turned and followed and never understood that Jesus is also the way to continue to walk with him. Uh, The evidence of being on the Jesus road is a Jesus lifestyle. That's the evidence. If we're on the road, there's a Jesus lifestyle. Can't make that stuff up. If you're walking with Jesus, and our road is marked by repentance, there's a thing in our lives, God, everyone falls short. We all fall short of the glory of God. But here's the difference with our road. The wide road, when they mess up, there's no repentance. In our road, when we mess up, we do turn. It's not if you mess up. It's not if you sin. It's when you sin. When we sin, we turn. That's the difference with our road. And this is the road that marks our faith. So there's got to be some kind of life change. Um, You know, a lot of people say a prayer and they return right back to the world. And they never really got on the Jesus road to begin with. You know, years ago, I I was in bands in LA, you know, playing all these clubs in Hollywood, and then I, I came to faith. And I realized that Jesus is real and that Jesus was calling me into this life with him. And um, I I did. I came forward and I did say the prayer and I did get baptized, but he started to change me because he loved me too much to leave me where I was at. I had to actually turn and follow. And all of us, our life of turning and following looks different for everyone. What does it look like for you? Might not have been the same for me because we're all into different things that we had to turn from. But I started to turn from what I was doing and why I was doing the music I was doing and the kind of stuff and the crew I was hanging out with and everything started to change. But then I started to put together a Christian band and I was looking for some players and I met up with this bass player and we're working on these songs for a couple of months. This guy's married, he had a couple kids. And then all of a sudden... He, uh, he ends up moving to Hollywood and running around with a bunch of girls. Like, dude, what are, you, what are you doing? I go, you're married. You got two kids. You're a believer. You, you can't operate like this. What are you thinking? And you know what he said to me? He said, nope, that's not true. He said, once saved, always saved. That was his answer to me. Once saved, always saved. Because somebody's told him half of the gospel that if you say this prayer, if you just say this prayer with me, you're, you're good, you're set, you're set for life. But they left out the other part that Jesus always included, that you turn and you follow, that you, you don't just go through the gate, you get on the Jesus road. The idea of a Jesus gate is a good idea. Out of all the world religions, who else is going to take away the sins? That sounds like a great idea. Jesus is loving, he's kind, he does the miraculous, he's the ultimate teacher, all these great things about Jesus, Messiah, very cool, I'll say the prayer, I like the idea that he's he's the gate for me, that's super cool, but turn and follow and get on the road, whoa, wait a second, that means I gotta change something, and that's the part that gets left out, and that's why so many people don't actually get on the road. It says this in Isaiah 35, 8, the Old Testament is talking about this road as well, the highway that leads to when we walk with the presence of God and God leads us in this path that we should go on. Isaiah 35, 8 says, and a highway will be there and it will be called the way of holiness. And it will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. This is a a thing that if I'm gonna get on the way, I turn from certain things in my life. I don't just believe in Jesus. The Bible says the demons believe and shudder. Believing in Jesus is a great start, but guys, the demons know that. It's not just believing. It's like if you really believe, then you turn and you follow. 
And that's the part that's missing in our city, in family members that you have. You love people in your life. There's people in your life that you love. And they're not on this road. They, they might even be okay with the, na- the idea of the Jesus gate. They might be cool with that. But they're not on the Jesus road because there's things they never even turn from. But God loves them so much. And the beauty about our adventure is we get to partner with God and live for a cause greater than our own instead of focusing on our blessing and our destiny and our stuff. That's all in the mix, but that's not the focus. When it's others, because God so loved the whole world, when we start to partner with God on the mission of God, that's when things get fun. That's when things get exciting. In fact, in the book of Acts, uh, excuse me, in the book of Gospel of Mark, uh, Jesus promised them along with the Great Commission that if you lock in with me on my mission, Jesus said, then these signs will accompany you. Do you want to see the power of God in your life? Do you want to see the power of God in your life? That's a question. Do you want to see the power of God in your life? Okay, it accompanies, it accompanies the good news. It accompanies the gospel. When you step out for Jesus and you share his love with others who have not gone through the gate and they are not on the road, Jesus promises that his power will accompany his message. It's his message. God has to substantiate his message. We don't have to substantiate God's message. It's already his message. It's already powerful. But when we partner with God in his message, then God will substantiate his message. And this is part of the abundant life. But looking at Christianity in America, there's a whole different view of what it really is and who's in and who went through the gate and who's on the road and what kind of lifestyle we live. I will tell you out of that statistic that I shared earlier, the 20%, the 19%, who has an active faith, that's a contagious faith. That's a contagious faith. When you see people with an active faith, you see a contagious faith, and you're like, there's something there that I like and that I want. But when you look at the rest of Christianity where there's no sharing of faith and no adoration and no worship and there's no testifying and there's no sharing faith, and there's, then, then all we are is the guy in the next cubicle over, and they may or may not know we believe in God. And that's it at the end of the day. The neighbors don't know. The family doesn't know. Nobody really knows because we just keep it personal. It's shut down. And it's not living out in any kind of way. And Jesus is talking about that. Now, he goes on in this passage, and I'm going to cover these really quick, but he, but he talks about people who are doing some religious things, but they're not on the road. It looks religious. It sounds religious. It even acts a bit religious. Even use religious words, but it's not on the road. Um, it says this in um, our next verse here, verse uh, 15. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but the bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. So he's talking about prophecy and he's talking about fruit. Prophecy and fruit. Prophecy, the New Testament says desire prophecy as a spiritual gift. Out of all the spiritual gifts, says desire it. Talking to the church that we should ask God. God, may I be able to speak on your behalf, please? May I be able to testify on your behalf? Will you give me something to share to encourage others that's directly from you. Would you please do that? And that, the Bible says you should ask for that. You should desire that. Um, we're talking about prophecy. In fact, the New Testament encourages it. 
And it also says that it will always line up with Scripture because the same spirit that authored Scripture is the same spirit speaking prophecy. So we test prophecy. It will line up, and there's no other motive. There's no other motive in prophecy, biblical prophecy, but for God to get the glory. That's biblical prophecy. But he's saying beware of false prophets because it won't line up with Scripture or the motives will be off. And the Bible tells us uh, 1 Thessalonians, I think we have it for the screen here, 1 Thessalonians 5. 20 and 21, it says this. Do not treat prophecy with contempt, but test them all and hold on to what is good. Don't treat it with contempt. Don't, don't shut down the idea for prophecy. There are some churches have no room for anything prophetic, anything at all. What is God saying today? This end of, this. No, don't treat prophecy with contempt. Prophecy should be desired, we should look forward, we want God as the living God, he's still speaking today. Uh, don't treat it with contempt, don't, you know, don't shut it down, quench it, or make no place for it, but, but test prophecy. The Bible says test it. Test them all and hold on to what is good. And so in this passage here, he's talking about people who are prophesying with a wrong motive and not sharing the heart of God and apparently leading others down that road. And Jesus says the fruit, the fruit is the evidence. The fruit is the evidence. So the third point this morning, if you, if you are a note taker, is this. The fruit we bear reveals the road we're on. The fruit that we bear reveals the road that we're on. We can say, I went through the Jesus gate and I'm on the Jesus road. We can say whatever we want, but the fruit that we bear and the fruit that others bear reveals what road they're on. It reveals what road we're on. We can't get away from the fruit because our fruit tells the truth. My fruit tells my truth. Your fruit tells your truth. It just becomes an evidence in our life. And so we got to ask when we're living on this road, what, what, what road are we on and what are we living for and what, what drives you in life? What drives you? What propels you? What, what compels you? on the way. If you went through the narrow gate of Jesus and he's got you on this adventure road, it's not the wide run everyone's taken. What drives you? I got to tell you, if, if, if we turn to follow, we cannot be driven by the same things that the world is driven by. Let me ask you a question. Do you care more about how many likes you get on social media or do you care about how many likes you get from God? Oh, you might not see him pop up on your screen, but God's liking you. He's liking stuff you do, like, 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 like. <laughs> Which one do you care about? Do we care more about likes from man or likes from God? When you got a question, do you ask God or do you ask Google? <laughs> what, do you, what do you do with your stuff? What, do you go to God do you go to Google? You want the social likes you want God's likes? Because God's looking down and smiling on his children, especially the ones who love him, that are in relationship with him, are partnering with him on his mission and his heart. The ones that are on the way, he wants to pour out his spirit and do greater things through the ones that walk with him. But you want to get the smiles from God. You want to get the likes from God. And, and this matters because if we're on the Jesus road, then we got to think a little different and we got to change some of our priorities. And that's really important. The last thing he says is this in verse 21. And uh, that would be... Um, Good time worship team is going to be coming up in a minute here. But um, it says this in verse 21. And this is scary, guys. The first time I read this, it really freaked me out. It might freak you out too. But Jesus is using these words. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? 
and in your name drive out demons, and in your name perform many miracles, then I will plainly, then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Now, I will say this, there's some other scriptures that come up of people arguing with God. They didn't go through the gate, they weren't on the road, but in the end, they have this little debate with God. Um, You might remember the parable of the talents, when Jesus talks about giving each of the servants talents. One guy's got five, one has two, and one has one, and this guy with the five, he did great things for the glory of God. God's like, well done, good and faithful servant. The one with two talents, well done, good and faithful servant. You put him to work for my glory, awesome, come in, you're getting rewarded. The one with the one talent buried his talent, made a very lame excuse, and at the very end, something very similar to this, where he's like, well, God, I knew you were the kind of God who gathers what you did not sow. I knew that you were the kind of God who does this and does that. And this guy's just ranting and raving about who God, and God's sitting there going, really? That's what you knew about me, huh? Because none of that is my nature. None of that, what you just said right there, is my nature. And in this case here, these people didn't go through the gate. And these people weren't on the road. And they're saying, but Lord, didn't we, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this? And didn't we do this? And Jesus is saying, no, what you did, you weren't doing stuff in me. You weren't doing it by my power. They they may not have even been doing any of these things. God doesn't say, oh, you actually did prophesy. And you actually, he doesn't agree with their position. But these guys are saying, Lord, Lord. There's many that say, Lord, Lord, or there's some that say, Lord, Lord, and they don't mean Lord, Lord. To say it is one thing, to mean it is another. Lord means that's the one you serve. That's the one you love. That's the one you want to stay in the presence of. That's the one you want to honor. That's the one you want to be engaged. You want to, you want to get to know more. You want to draw closer to. You want to serve. You want to honor. You want to do his will because he's your Lord. And that's the part of American Christianity that's gotten left out. There's this Savior that will take away your sins. Just say this magic prayer. It's all going to be good for you. And we never led people to step further that we got to turn and we got to follow. And by the way, he is the Lord. That means he's, he's everything. That means we get off the throne and he gets on it. That's what it means. And some people are like, oh, wait a minute. I don't want that. Well, then you're not ready to go through the gate because that's what the gate is. See, Jesus is the gate, but he's also the way. And the people in this passage, they didn't have a Lord. And they're using the word Lord, but they didn't have a Lord. And Jesus is like, I never knew you. Jesus is like, I, I, I was never your Lord. You never locked in with me. You never were seeking me. You were never engaging me. You were never camped out spending time with me. You weren't asking me what's my direction for you. It was missing. And so we never knew you. So the last point is this. It's an important one, guys, because it's missing in American Christianity in a big way. It's not about, excuse me, it's not knowing about Jesus. It's not knowing about Jesus. It's about knowing Jesus and serving him as Lord. It's not knowing about Jesus. You can take a religion course and learn something about Jesus. You can look up Wikipedia online, learn about Jesus. 
It's not, it's not learning about Jesus. It's not knowing about Jesus. It's about knowing and serving him as the Lord, that he's the king and I'm not and you're not. And he becomes the Lord of our lives. And if he does become the Lord, then our world revolves around him. And that's the difference with people in this passage. And that's the difference with the statistic we shared in America of 19% of Christians who actually seem to, by their lifestyle, seem to believe the world revolves around God, not them. And as a result, they line up their lives with God as worshipers. They camp out with him. They spend time with him. They love God. They know they are loved by him. They want to walk with him. They desire to because they know he's the Lord. This is an opportunity. This is something they get to do. It's not what they have to do. It's like they get to do it, and they love it. And they're on that narrow road, and that narrow road is a blast. It's like driving up the coast on the one freeway. They're like, this is awesome, God. You're taking me on an adventure. Where to next, God? And that's the beauty of it. And the beauty about our road, it says in Isaiah 30, 31, that as you're going down the road, there's going to be a voice behind you saying, this is the way to go. Walk in it. As you're going and you're not really sure, the Spirit of God in you will say, this is the way to go. Walk in it. And you're like, wow, God, you're giving downloads to your people. You are the living God. You're engaging us and you're leading us and you're showing us and you're, you're telling us where to go on this journey so we get in on the adventure. And that's the beauty of this. So in closing, I just want to encourage you guys. You got opportunities every day of what road you're going to jump on, the wide run or the narrow one. And I would just encourage you to take the road less traveled. The road less traveled is the Jesus road. That's the road of adventure. That's where God will use you and begin to affect you. You'll get to be a world changer if you partner with God in this. So I want to close in prayer, but I do want to give some of you today this opportunity because many of us are raised in this American Christianity where we already know that Jesus is the Savior of the world. We know that. Savior was born on Christmas, right? It says it on the Christmas card. We're cool with that. We've said the prayer. We want the Savior and we want the forgiveness. All that's great. But this passage lands on some monumental spiritual reality. Is he, in fact, the Lord? The Lord means I am demoting myself and I'm promoting God. And the world doesn't revolve around me anymore. It revolves around God. And I'm going to spend time with him. I'm going to get my direction from him. I am going to seek him. I'm going to learn to love him more. I am going to know God and let him fully know me. I'm taking away my barriers, my blocks, whatever I got in the way. I'm going to be transparent before God. I'm going to draw near to God and let God draw near to me. I'm going to get my direction from God. And on this narrow path, I am going to let the living God take me on an adventure. Because guess what? I'm not my own. I was bought with a price. If you have a Lord, you speak that way. If you have a Lord, you speak that way. I am not my own. I was bought with a price. American Christianity doesn't speak that way. American Christianity says, no, I am my own, and I believe in a Savior, but I am my own. First century church says, no, if you have a Lord, you're not your own. You were bought with a price. I want to close in a prayer because, guys, your entire future hinges on the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Not just knowing about him, it hinges on the Lordship of Jesus Christ. So I want to close in prayer right now. I want to give that opportunity that we really search our heart and you know deep in your heart if he real, not just the idea of him being Lord, if he's really the Lord. 
And for the rest of you, God wants to use you to share his lordship on an adventure with this whole city and get in on a realm of journey that you haven't been on yet. You're going to get to taste and see that the Lord is good because signs and wonders will accompany those who share the message. He says that's what's going to happen. And some of you are dying to see it, but you haven't stepped out yet. Let's close in prayer. Mighty God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of it. Lord Jesus, you, you, you land this thing. We know you're the gate, but you're also the way, and you lead your people to everlasting life. That's where your way takes us. You're, you're the gate, and you take us to the way, to the road, and the road takes us to everlasting life. And, and you're, you're, you're breaking this down today with some illustrations on people who thought they were on the way or were hoping they were on the way or assuming they were on the way, but they weren't on the way. And it came down to this lordship, that you're literally the king of our personal universe or you're not. You can't just be a good power in our life, a good force to look out for us once in a while and bless us a little bit when we need you. That's not a lord. Lord means we surrender to you, to your love, to your power, to your ways, to your will. And we don't have it all down and we're going to mess up in the future. But when we do, we're going to turn and keep following you because you're the Lord and we're not. And God, we just want to ask that you seal some things in our heart this morning. So I just want to ask you this morning with everyone's eyes closed and head bowed, if you haven't actually made a day in your life, and this doesn't rub off on you over time, this is a decision you make one day where you say, you know what, I'm getting off the throne, I'm putting Jesus on it, I'm demoting myself, I'm making him the Lord, he's the king of the universe, I am not, I am taking my direction from him from this day forward. I just want to say, if that's you, would you just raise your hand? I want to agree with you in prayer. No one's going to amen. The Lord's pleased with you. Anybody else this morning? Amen. The Lord's pleased with you. Anybody else? This is lordship, guys. He's going to say on that day, I didn't know you. And you're going to go, what? I knew about you. He's going to go, I didn't know you. Anybody else this morning that says, lordship is lordship. I want to make you the Lord of my life. I want to make you the king of my universe. Anybody else this morning? This is important, guys. This stuff matters. This is like a big deal. Hallelujah. Well, the Lord is pleased. So just uh, in the privacy of your heart, just tell him this morning, Jesus, I make you the king. I'm not the king anymore. I'm not the king. I'm stepping down. I'm promoting you and giving you the place you deserve. You're the king. You're the Lord. You're the one in charge. I take my direction from you. I'm not my own anymore. I was bought with a price. Thank you for being the gate. But show me how to turn and follow and walk with you on the way. I'm not going to be one of those on that final day that say, Lord, Lord, I didn't know you. Instead, I'm going to be one of those that say, Lord, Lord, and you're going to take a knee and open your arms and say, welcome into the house of my father. I've been waiting for you. I got stuff stored up for you. You have no idea. Lord, I pray you show us how to follow. I pray, Lord, also you, you help us get contagious with you, God. And any who have made that prayer this morning to continue to come to discipleship and grow and learn what it means to be a disciple, a a passionate Christ follower. But Lord, everyone else in this room, God, we don't want to just know about this stuff. We want to do this stuff. We want to walk out and do this stuff. We want to do the kingdom of God. We want to live the kingdom of God. We want to walk with Jesus in public with our family, friends, workplace, neighborhoods, Lord, streets. God, the the first century church was contagious. They didn't have a, a little section of their life to tuck their Christianity in and look and act like they're on the same road as everybody else. But they were clearly marked people. They were different. They were people of the way. And they walked on the way. So, Lord, I pray, help us get contagious, Lord. 
I thank you for what's coming in our city through Love LA and through just the heart you're stirring in your people. Let us get contagious for you. Do a new work, God. We, we look forward to it. We receive it by faith. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap because he's good all the time, guys. Amen. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.